Tatiana Jovanovic, the founder of the Humanitarian Changemakers Network. Welcome to Changemaker Q&A, where we answer questions from young Aussies about social change to better equip and empower you to change the world. If you have a question about making change happen, just head to the link in the episode description to leave us an audio or a written question, or head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash podcast. No question is too big or too small. We can help you with anything from breaking into the social change sector, questions about specific topics or issues you don't quite understand, or advice on how you can best take action to make a difference in the world. Now, on to today's question. Welcome back to Changemaker Q&A. Now, today's question was asked anonymously. I have just set up a like Google question form for the podcast, and I don't know why I didn't do this sooner, um, but if you'd rather ask a question for the podcast anonymously, uh, you can head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash podcast, and there's like an ask a question button, and the link will take you right to the form. I really should have done this earlier um, instead of getting people to ask questions through things like Instagram, um, where you can't really remain anonymous. Um, so I really apologize for not doing this sooner um, and for anyone who wanted to ask a question and wanted to do it anonymously but couldn't. Now, this is today's question. <clears throat> I've been looking at jobs in environmental campaigning and I'm a bit confused about what exactly the difference is between campaigning and community organizing. I had a quick Google, but I'm not really sure I still understand the difference. I have experience in advocacy and activism, and I'm not sure why, what type of job I would be looking for when I finish uni. Okay, so this is a great question. And community organizing is a really important tool when it comes to campaigning, um, particularly for formal systemic change. Now, if you've listened to our podcast episode, I think it's called Should I Become an Activist or something along those lines, uh, I outlined exactly what activism is um, and we talk about campaigning and how campaigning drives formal systemic change. So if you don't really understand uh, what campaigning for formal systemic change is all about yet uh, and you don't really know what things like campaign strategy are, then I recommend you go and listen to that episode first and then come back to this one. Um, but basically, addressing the root causes of an issue really requires campaigning efforts to influence people who are in positions of power that make decisions. These are the people like politicians or big business owners who can implement formal systemic changes at an institutional level. So through things like policy or legislation or business practices. Now, campaigning for change, very simply put, is just working in a very organised and strategic way towards a specific goal. So campaign strategy is kind of like the theory behind how you campaign for change and how a campaign is going to work. It's basically like a roadmap to achieving your specific campaign goal. So a campaign goal is a really specific change that you're trying to bring about. So when you think about like your vision for the future, um, particularly as an organization, an organization might be, you know, working towards a future where there's environmental sustainability and animals aren't losing their habitat or something like that. But the specific campaign goal is the thing that you're actually trying to change. So this particular organization might be looking to, uh, say, implement law that prevents new developers from knocking down um, trees that um, are habitat to like koalas or native animals or something like that. So that's the specific goal that the organisation wants to achieve. So to achieve that goal, there's a campaign strategy. So campaign strategy is kind of broken up into different objectives and objectives are kind of like the checkpoints or the ways that that goal will be achieved. 
And then under all of the objectives, there are a number of tactics and tactics are kind of the things that can be done that uh, will work towards the specific objectives, but they may or may not work out. So tactics involve a lot of trial and error and figuring out exactly how those objectives will be achieved in order to achieve the overall campaign goal. So within a campaign, community organizing is also a really essential tool for social change. And it kind of allows the people involved in a campaign to be turned into a really valuable resource. It gives them the power to engage in activism and actually make that change happen. So community organizing really does go hand in hand with campaigning. But uh, community organizers are the ones who are kind of using collective people power to carry out the campaign tactics and achieve the broader campaign strategy goals. So a campaigner um, working on a particular campaign would probably begin by asking the question, you know, how can we fix this issue? How can we achieve this particular goal? But a community organiser working on the same campaign would begin by asking not how can I fix this issue, but who are my people? How can I build people power to achieve this goal? So social change um, when it comes to campaigning for formal systemic change really comes about through a really coordinated effort um, and actions that happen by um, a number of people. It's not really isolated individuals that have the power to bring about social change in this sense. And so community organizing is really about building that people power and connecting people who have shared interests to take action together. So here's a little something to maybe illustrate how the work of a campaigner would be different to that of a community organizer, but in the same campaign. So let's just say an organization is running a campaign to change a specific policy. So the campaigner's job is to work out a number of tactics um, to illustrate to key decision makers why um, they should adopt this policy. So the campaigners might come together and they would coordinate uh, maybe a team of expert researchers to write a report about why this new policy change is really economical or sustainable. They might um, come together and come up with um, maybe some case studies about how a similar policy in another um, country or another community has really benefited that community. Um, But community organisers, on the other hand, their real aim is to I guess, shift the relationships of power. So the organisers would come together and they'd be coordinating an effort that would make adopting that particular policy that the campaign is campaigning for um, really in the key decision makers' political interests or their personal interest. I'm someone who loves learning, and I'm always looking for opportunities to grow my knowledge and skills. And that's why I swear by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community where you can explore thousands of classes in design, photography, business, and so much more. Since joining Skillshare, I've taken classes in things like watercolor art, design thinking, art journaling, storytelling through video, art activism, podcasting, and I even use Skillshare to learn Spanish. If you're new to Skillshare, you can get started with a free trial to get unlimited access to the entire catalog with a premium membership. Just head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash Skillshare for a free trial. And if you're already a Skillshare member, make sure to take our Social Change 101 class. So community organisers are 
really about mobilizing people affected by a problem or people who care about the problem, so allies, to come together and utilize their power and resources to solve that problem within the context of a campaign and the specific campaign strategies and goals and tactics. So when community organizers are trying to determine um, the answer to that question, who are my people? They kind of categorize people into very specific categories. So there are four main categories um, of people within a campaign. So the first category of people are constituents. And these are the people who will really take on a key leadership role within the campaign. They're people who have a need to organize and mobilize people people who can contribute resources um, or people who can become a source of real power within the campaign. So community organisers will turn a community of people who have shared interests, people who are really highly engaged or people with lived experience and shared values into their constituency. And the next group of people are supporters or allies. And these are people within the community whose interests are not really directly or very clearly affected, uh, but they may have an issue in supporting the particular campaign. So they may not really be part of the constituency, uh, so they may not be as heavily involved, but they still have uh, similar values and maybe some resources that they can contribute. Now, the next group of people are the competition so the competition uh, can be made up of individuals, uh, specific groups or larger organisations that might even have shared values or interests as the campaign supporters, um, maybe some of the supporters but not others, um, but they may target the same constituency um, or they have the same uh, sources of support or they face maybe the same opposition. And so that might mean that they have to compete with this particular campaign for resources. Finally, there's the opposition, which, as you can imagine, are the certain individuals, groups or organisations whose interests or values really conflict with the campaign and they're really opposed to achieving that campaign goal. Now, you might notice that there is a key theme that keeps coming up and it's something that's really important within community organizing. So I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. And that's this concept of power. So very simply put, we can understand the concept of power as the ability to act a particular way or do a particular thing and the ability or capacity to influence the behavior of others. Now, understanding power and influence is really essential in community organizing and more generally in campaigning for change. Now, power exists across all relationships and in many processes of change. So particularly within formal systemic change, which is why the negotiation or redistribution of power is so important. Now, power can kind of be expressed by people or organizations and institutions in four kind of forms. So the way it's distributed across a society um, happens in four ways. So first of all, um, to have power means you could have power over. So power over is the expression of power um, as positive or negative authority that kind of gives control over individuals or groups or institutions. And it can often be backed by force. You could also have power to. 
Power two is power that kind of comes from having skills or tools and the capacity to effectively use them to influence others. You could have power with. Now, power with is the expression of power that kind of comes with collective action when you form alliances and join together to plan or build an act in a particular way. And finally, there's a power within. Now, the expression of power within is when you have confidence that kind of comes from things like self-esteem or the belief in your rights to act a particular way and occupy space and kind of that belief that change is possible. So those are the four expressions of power. So there's power over, power to, power with, and power within. So when it comes to tackling local or global issues, power will also exist with different levels of visibility. So not only is it expressed in these four ways, but it kind of exists with um, different levels of visibility. And sometimes you might really be able to recognize power. And so that's generally visible power. So visible power includes kind of observable power relations, things that are negotiated through formal institutions, for example. And this is kind of the form of power that would dominate things like discussions in the media or informal politics, or if you were in um, a formal meeting environment. Then it can kind of have, uh, there can be hidden power, which is kind of a lower level of visibility. So hidden power is the types of power that kind of belong to people who have control over the people with visible power. So it's kind of the behind the scenes action or influence. So things like money or bribery that might shape political action or people who ultimately decide what the media publishes or what gets kept on and off the political agenda, that's hidden power. Finally, there's invisible power, which is, um, I guess, kind of the least visible of all types of power. And invisible power is things like norms, beliefs, privilege, or ideals that kind of shape the way people have a sense of self and the way they understand and interact with the world. So invisible power really determines how we treat one another. It determines who is systemically privileged or who is targeted as like the other when it comes to kind of like us and them dynamics. So community organizers have to be really aware of where power lies for the people within their cause. And it's their job to figure out exactly how they can best influence decision makers who hold the most power for the change that they're campaigning for. Now, the influence that a decision maker will have can depend on a number of things. So it might depend on their personal power and their personal power is really a result of their characteristics. They might be a really charming person. They might be, um, you know, a really loud person, someone with a kind of like get shit done attitude. That's their personal power. Then there's positional power. So positional power comes from the particular roles that they occupy. And that kind of includes the responsibilities that they might have, any knowledge that they might have gained, any expertise or even access to things like resources. And their interpersonal power, which is a term that is often used in community organising, looks at someone's personal power in relation to their positional power. 
Now, community organizing really does involve looking at the relationships between change makers and decision makers, um, all of their interpersonal power, and also the space that's kind of available for change. So things that they have control over will fall within their sphere of control. Now, the area that they have um, where things aren't completely in their control, but they do have some power or ability to influence and bring about change within that space, that's the sphere of influence. And then finally, the sphere of concern includes any activities that might occur where they have absolutely no control over, and they still might affect the outcomes of the campaign. So what community organisers really have to do is look at the things that fall within their sphere of control, their sphere of influence, and their sphere of concern, and use their people power and kind of allocate people and um, the power that they bring accordingly. So influencing is really the ability to get someone to do something that they probably wouldn't have otherwise done or not done. So influencing is about impacting people's ideas, their opinions, and ultimately their actions. So influencing decision makers relies on a lot of engagement and persuasion most of the time. And community organizers try to identify and appeal to these particular leaders' values. And then they have to communicate these through the narratives that they tell and really positive solutions. Now, some decision makers may not be an ally to a particular campaign or cause, but they might hold the power to make change happen. And this is why community organizers have to be really strategic um, in the way that they use their people power to put pressure on these decision makers. So hopefully that answers the question a little bit. Um, you can see that community organizing is a really key part of activism and campaigning for change, um, but it is fundamentally different to what campaigners do. Campaigners are the ones who are strategizing, they're looking at the objectives, they're looking at the tactics for the campaign, and they're working alongside community organizers. Um, but without community organizers to really get out there and actually mobilize people to come and shift power relations and influence the decision makers, it would be really hard um, to reach a campaign goal. So hopefully that does give you a deeper understanding of promoting formal systemic change and the role that community organizing has in activism. So as always, I will make sure to leave um, any links to some relevant resources in the episode notes if you would like to learn more about community organizing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Changemaker Q&A. If you have a question about changing the world that you'd like me to answer, just head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review so that we can get the word out and equip and empower as many young people as we can to change the world. The Humanitarian Changemakers Network is a solutions media and education platform, so feel free to head to our website for plenty more news and resources to help you make change happen.